Welcome to a special series of the Talking Writing Podcast exploring my project, Weird Music. I'm John Vogel, TW's art director. During this episode, we'll be diving into the psychological differences between playing music live versus recording it into an album. I mentioned before that I used advice from Stephen King's On Writing in the drafting of Weird Music, and one piece that I focused on was something he got from his first editor. Write with the door closed, rewrite with the door open. When writing the first draft, just keep moving forward and get to the end, then put it down for a period, and once it's faded from your memory, pick it back up for a full read-through and then start the editing process. King suggests dedicating, I believe, four to six hours on reading and writing a day, and his first drafts can take around four months. When you set your rough draft down, you should wait at least six weeks before picking it up again. Applied to weird music, working for about three to four hours a day, I wrote the first draft of the piece in MIDI over the course of 14 months and didn't play it for anyone while it was in progress. This is quite a bit longer than King's four months. The final rough draft was two hours long and contained 26 songs. After I finished, sometime in 2012, I listened to it every night for a few weeks, and then I put it down until it started to gnaw at me again, which was well over six weeks. To rewrite with the door open, I would learn sections of the piece live with instruments and then play them for a small audience. I performed the first section at my house in West Philadelphia in April 2013. At some point in 2014 or 15, I finished and recorded the first half of the rewrite and then took a break before venturing into the second half. On August 9, 2019, the 10-year anniversary of my first interviews, I played a show at Philomoka in Philadelphia with the Extraordinaires and performed the entire second half for the first time. In March 2020, I embarked on making a recording of the final edit, which took the whole first year of the COVID lockdown. Playing the piece live while still working on it and letting out pieces as I completed them was my way of rewriting with the door open. I allowed the reactions of the audience and my friends to figure out what was resonating and working and what was failing to keep people's attention. Once I felt confident that I had a succinct and sustained piece of art, now clocking in at 50 minutes and 12 songs, I entered the recording process to translate what I had been doing live. In this first section, we'll hear an in-depth account of Man Man writing and recording their album, Life Fantastic. First from Jamie Robinson and Chris Powell, then Ryan Katner, then Billy Dufala and Matt Gibson. Personally, I think a record... Well, particularly in this band, um, records like making a movie and you wrote the book or something. Sometimes it's not the same. Uh, for me, live shows are really where it's at. It's the most fun. Uh, it's um, I don't know the record. The the record, or I, I could say about this record anyway, was a, a very long, painstaking process. And then when you're done. Um, it just seems uh, to me uh, like a photograph of you that you're hanging up on the wall or something that people can hang on their wall and like it seems separate from from what we're 
what we're doing. I mean, it, it to me, it seems like a calling card to try and get people to come out to the show and, and uh, do something live. But I, I really love to play live, so uh, I just think of a record as just a sort of format or a medium that we can use to get people to to come to the live show. That That's my plan, but... Yeah, I, I enjoy uh, both just for, for totally separate reasons. I uh, I prefer with, uh, specifically with Man Man, I prefer performing live because uh, because it can be, the music can be uh, so elastic and you can improvise and, and there's a lot of, even within the songs, there's still a lot of, there's a lot of space to, to change things every night and, you know, and uh, be adventurous and experiment and all those good things that make um you know a band like man man really fun for for the audience and as well for for us to play that's so that's it, it's almost uh yeah it, it feels like two entirely different things but i'm uh i i'm pretty obsessed with making records and the idea of you know just getting better at making records and um and not necessarily feeling like it has to that they have to be the uh the same thing it's almost uh, just looking, you know. It's uh, similar to well, well, how you how you said it's uh, it feels like a picture, yeah. And it, and it is strange. It is an abstract thing to be able to <clears throat> to set something in stone in a way, you know, and then right. present it to people is uh, is kind of a weird concept, but um, but it's yeah, it's really great that you can do something like that, and and you present something that essentially yeah, people hear it can hear it and and then you know basically just go and see you perform live you know and i think it's i even think it's good for us because they do feel so different with this band entirely especially on this new record with strings and there's a lot of there's a lot of new elements that we that we don't do live yet we don't have strings in live the live situation we don't have um you know we only have a certain amount of horn players and uh you know luckily you guys were able to help on the the tour but you know it's it's sort of you know we can add in these elements that can make it sound like the record but it's it's actually really fun to have them be uh be separate and and kind of think of them totally separate mm -hmm. so because they're both challenging in completely different ways well i mean definitely live playing for me is very therapeutic you know i, I get i get to let loose a lot of baggage I'm gonna play live. In what sort of way? What do you feel like here? Well, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's just a matter of losing yourself. But then when you get a good audience and you get that energy back, it, it's just amazing. And nothing compares. It kind of makes what we do, touring, punishingly, uh, fulfilling. It makes it all worth it. Even if it's only for 90 minutes out of a 25 hour day. You know, but re re studio recording is insanely difficult too. You know, like especially when you first start out, it's just a matter of being able to keep your head on straight and kind of stay the course. Because <laughs> when you first start laying those basic tracks, it's so it's so daunting. I'd say playing live is actually it. it it's m m major. I'd say ninety nine percent just a good time and fun. Mm -hmm. 
where making an album is incredibly laborious. You're making, you have to be very, I try to be as civil as possible. There's a lot of compromising. There's a lot of concessions made. There's a lot of like being okay with bringing an idea to the table and then having it like, you know, shot down or brushed off the table (laughs) or even like having an idea that you, you're not sure if you want to actually even share it with anybody, but then, you know, getting up, you know, uh, whatever it is that will allow you to bring it to the table. I know in the past that has been, it's been an issue for other people in the band actually bringing things that they, they are really like close to them, but it would make for great material. Um, the, the, the making of an album is incredibly challenging can be a lot of fun and very uh, just, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that the one is, is, is a seriously, it's a huge amount of work. And the other one is a, a huge amount of fun, I guess. That's as corny as that sounds. It's one is really, really enjoyable. And it's actually like the one time where like even on tour, you're working throughout the entire day by just traveling and like being around people. And then you have this one great like, you know, hour and 15 minutes. That's like, that's like the time that people outside of bands, they're like, that's the work. But for me, that's the actual, that's the payoff. That's like the good, the the fun part. The work is like the having to be in a van and actually be away from your studio or being outside. So I think the one is like a lot of fun. And the other one is a lot of work with a lot of uh, redeeming qualities, like the discoveries and the explorations that like, that you, that you uh, go through and, and come out on the other end with something amazing that you never would have had a, for any other reason other than just like following that road down and getting hit with from all the other sides from other people in the band and like turning it into something that you could have never expected otherwise. Uh, yeah, they're def- they're definitely big difference. And I sometimes cringe at the idea of making another album mm-hmm. <laughs> i shouldn't say that but at the same, i guess it depends on the time of the day and, and the mood that i'm in because i get really excited about it too just because of the you know you don't the other thing that is unfortunate about playing lives you're doing the same thing over and over again the amount of room for exploration and actually embellishment and actually cracking that open it's not really there, unfortunately, live because you ha- you're scripted. You have to like you have your set, you have the way that you run through it, and you're relying on everybody with their parts and knowing their parts and nailing those parts. Mm-hmm. It's not. A, it's like a planned. Like Ryan always loves to say, your planned chaos. There's not really that much room for improvisation. So, the studio is where like I think you'd hope to actually be able to try new things mm-hmm. and and crack it open and actually you know play around more. And I do get really excited about that. And no matter how much I cringe, knowing that we're going to go and do another album, I get really excited about those possibilities. Mm-hmm. So. And how about for you? Well, I, I mean, I've never, <clears throat> I've never been part of the writing process with, with, uh, with any of these guys. Maybe just a little bit with Jamie, just, you know, maybe playing certain parts or writing new, new parts for some of his songs that he's had already for a while. But... Um, so I, I don't, you know, I only have my own experiences with like past projects that were completely different, you know, um, dynamically and, and, you know, we, we created differently and we got to the end result differently. And, um, I personally would love, I mean, we all, and all of us in this room would be, would love to have the opportunity to, you know, when you're not on tour to be home, like, you know, waking up 
in you know having a studio around the corner to like write and demo stuff until you get to the point where you can record and go back out on the road. Like I would love to to have that style. You know, that's like the the perfect YouTube world. Yeah, that's like <clears throat> 365 days of sunshine and you know coffee dripping from a you know it's just bottomless coffee coffee well. Hey, we got bottomless coffee here. Dude. <sighs> In the second section, we'll continue with Matt and Billy, and then we'll hear from Chess Smith and then Vice Cooler and Steve Touchton from XBXRX. In a couple of the remaining responses, I've left my questions in the audio just to clarify the answers. For the last couple of years, it's just been learning parts or just being in the live, you know, learning parts for, for live performance or just being in like kind of a live performance mode. Um, and I've definitely been learning how to play new instruments or just learning how to just be, uh, you know, being able to absorb what's happening quickly and then be able to like produce something else. So I, I mean, I, to me, like playing live as much as it's like fun, like the show is fun for me. Like it's almost like it's, it can be very exhausting, like trying to just like remember or learn how to do something really quickly or as quickly as possible. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think of it as like a, it's definitely like a, like a physical puzzle, you know, it's like it's a game for me almost. I guess it's like, yeah, but uh, but it's definitely you know, I I I am I I have the workings of trying to have like a home uh like demoing or recordings you know set up, but since I have, you know, recording is almost has has through my uh, personal you know music life it's always been uh the outcome of just playing live so like first you know like write a song by yourself or with a friend and then try to find a way to perform it in front of people and then once you've done so enough then you're like you know well i feel like we could record this and then you record it and that's almost like a byproduct of just like something that you do every day you know something we're in you know in the music business playing live is to promote selling an album you know like where for me it's almost like recording an album is a way to like leave people with a piece of what they saw Mm -hmm. on that stage or something you know like yeah it's weird and i i i talking about it like that i think it's it's funny being as man man um really has been uh gotten a lot of notoriety in the beginning for their live show their live show being like you have to see this band like oh my goodness and it's weird because it's kind of like the flip where like you're saying you know you're leaving somebody with a little bit of chunk of what they saw live yeah. i feel like the the album and the live show are something very different with yeah. man man they're like two separate beasts um and the one is like the like laborious like going over all these things and the other one is like this like super out like let me let me shit release. in your face yeah. and and make you smile about it, kind of thing. I shouldn't say it like that, but but and I, just to talk like the difference, like the different kind of psychological like back and forth and weird balances. Like you were just saying something about like the trying to figure out like this weird game and like knowing these yeah. parts and like for me, I like in, in talking about this, like trying to figure out how to play like vibes 
and a, and like the bass clarinet and some percussion and drums at the same time is something that is so exciting for me. But really, only, only really applies to the live show. Yeah. Because you're not going to be trying to do that in the studio. Why would you? You yeah. have you have tracks. Like you would be demoing it separate. So there's like this weird thing. There's like where what goes where, and like what are you going to try to uh, develop here and actually translate here? Or what are you going to try to you know develop here and translate in the live show? Vice versa. Um, and there's like I don't know. There's like it, there's so many different possibilities. It can be a little frustrating to try and figure out what you're doing because there's then there's like the whole idea like we have just so much shit on stage come on really it takes us like two hours to like break down at the end of the night or set up it's so annoying but at the same time it's so for me no matter what even i I it's it's like it's that there's a payoff there because you do have all these toys and all these instruments and all these things to keep you engaged and keep you like, okay, yeah, it's very scripted and there's not that much room for improvisation, but at least you have yourself thoroughly entertained and you can, you can write these things in and make sure everybody's on the same page. So they are like, there's cues and even if it's scripted, you're still challenging yourself to, to like be able to uh, accomplish these crazy musical feats of like, multi-instrumentalist whatever you want to call it uh so i don't know it can be it can be kind of frustrating going back and forth um well yeah i mean you were kind of saying live you know playing live is a lot of fun i guess you know for people like billy and myself who want to recreate as much as possible like a large orchestra sound or feeling with like a five-piece band you know it's just like Like, I don't know. I don't know how... I can only assume that musicians of, of yesteryear were were just as excited about trying to play, like, say, a saxophone and, like, you know, like uh, a drum or some kind of percussion at the same time. Or maybe they're just like, I'm going to become the best saxophone player because we're used to playing in, like, a 20-piece orchestra and that percussion guy takes care of it. Like, I'm not worried about yeah. it. But now we live in an age where you can like imagine something exists, and it probably does. And well, you have like you have so much technology, and you have yeah. so many like tools at your at your uh, at your disposal. Yet you have people like uh, you know, like the you know, like Billy and myself, and and many others who want to try to see what they can do all at the same time. You know, like be the drummer and and the horn player. There is something. a weird show offy kind of yeah. like. Like, like stroking your own schwanz. about it which could also be put into the show which is which is totally (laughs) put like that's one of the things of why like in the live context it works so well because that's like part of like the oh my god like aspect of it like are you serious like are you kidding me no this like that's that's part of uh part of the 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 desired effect i think Mm -hmm. and i think that's why i mean you can get away you can get away with some some of the most ridiculous stuff with ryan because he's just like bring it and he's like yeah dude okay you look at me i'm jumping up on speakers and taking my pants off and running across stage i'm falling from the top of my keyboard onto my ass and stabbing my face with a mic stand by accident oh my god just for the show yeah, yeah. So he's like, bring it. And yeah. that, that's always, I mean, that's an exciting aspect of being able to like, it's like, it, it's, it, there's no boundaries with that almost.
what is the payoff for you? Is it the listening back? Is it the playing? Um, where, where, do, where do you feel like your endorphins are actually? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the playing, playing live mostly. And, um, and just knowing that I finished a bunch of pieces of music for a whole record, you know? Like just kind of having that as, you know, I guess in sort of like a back catalog kind of way. And, you know, because I just used to learn, I learn a lot about music in general from writing, you know, and right. then having to learn it and, you know, then performing it is kind of, you know, a separate thing. There's the obvious thing where when you, you play live, there, there's this, uh, it makes it physical and there's the a physical element of, of like energy and like visual and, um, on, on a record, you can't capture that at all. Like you can't capture a mosh pit or like a stage dive or like, um, a dance like that's not, it's just impossible. And, um, so we've always approached, uh, with, I think all of our bands really like you, the record is a completely separate um, mindset from the live show. I mean, just for those simple, like obvious um, reasons. And the the record, uh, you, when you play live, you don't have to worry about hitting right the right notes or the right chords because it's like it's lo immediately lost. You, you know, like if you miss hitting, you know, one of the notes in the song, like you're immediately back on, and then you know, uh, it moves forward really fast. Whereas like a, a record it's repeated over and over and over and over again. And, um, so with, with like a record, it's important to hit those notes. It, it, whereas like live, it's, it's not, it's secondary to the, uh, emotional aspect of being in the room with people. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything? Yeah. I mean, I think a big, um, different psychologically with uh, recording and live shows is um, it's sort of this like personal versus communal uh, thing where I mean when you we're making a record it's just us and it's sort of like we're mm -hmm. focusing on ourselves the entire time and sort of what we want but then in the live situation there's an audience there and it becomes more of about everyone that's in the room at the time um, so I mean I think in the live situation we're <coughs> focused more on sort of uh uh, the pe people besides ourselves and then when we're recording it's just kind of all about us so I mean I think that's a big difference sort of emotionally or psychologically between the two processes of sort of presenting music or using the music for something else last section, we'll continue with Vice Cooler and Steve Touchton, and then finish with Greg Jamie from Odeth. Yeah, live, I think we, we don't even, uh, like, we care about the music, but we, we, we don't really think about it or analyze it. I mean, we analyze it after, but, but usually when it's analyzed, it's more about the momentum of it or something like, oh, well, this thing was a bad opener you, you know it's focused on like the how uh how the music is a tool to like flow the energy of the room um 
whereas like a record it, you you know it's you you're just thinking about oh well when you sit and put this on how does it how does it flow with you sitting or being in a car or something you know it, it's a more like sterile setting usually you know yeah. for that so yeah but we still i guess energies applied to both of them but definitely the focus is uh keeping the room worked up live yeah you know whereas like you don't think about a mosh pit when you're recording an album you yeah. don't think about like this will make them go wild when when this song comes in you just think like oh well these two endings this ending sounds like the beginning of this song or something yeah. you know i mean and there's also this sort of uh the predictability and unpredictability factor too or i mean when we mm. make a record we when it's finished or when you know we turn it into the label to go get it pressed i mean we know exactly what what is going to be presented to people but when we go and step on stage at a show it's like very unpredictable and we have no idea sort of what their experience is going to be or what our own experience is going to be i mean we can guess and you know maybe have but it's yeah a lot more unpredictable yeah and it changes night to night too because you live you um like when when you make a record you can kind of like generalize a little bit more you know like you you know from like the past records you made what what will work and what won't work you know and so you you like you kind of learn from the those mistakes and you can really generalize it into like a broad thing but then um when you play live each night the crowd changes you you could be in in a room and um be watching the opening bands and and things will become obvious you, you you can you'll know like this song won't work tonight like this other band did the, and it it totally flopped it, it didn't and and so it's like you it keeps you uh it keeps you on your toes and and that uh regard of of looking at people and looking at everybody that's there and and trying to guess mentally where they're at you know um whereas with like with with records and recordings it's you you don't look at it that way you know yeah uh do you feel like like i I know for us we have a a set like the set that we do we do every night yeah do you guys have like a grab bag of songs that you can like change and rearrange your set like like on the spot so that you can rearrange it for the audience sometimes i mean not as much anymore we used to we used to just do the sets totally on the fly and just you know people could call out whatever they wanted to do or just say okay we're cutting the next one and we're adding this one instead but i think these days it's more set i mean most of the time we'll have our the order of the songs memorized we'll rehearse the set exactly as it's going to be yeah up into the show and it's just sort of like uh we don't even really think about it we just go up there and do it and you know it just happens um yeah yeah, but we we haven't played that that many shows in the past three years either. Yeah. So so it's like if we were, I mean, I'm pretty sure when we do like a tour tour, it's going to change. I mean, it's like because we pretty much just played L.A. in the past three years, like a few other shows like in the in California. And so we we do go into like these shows, you know, when we play the smell, we know who's going to be there. We, we We have a we have an idea, but if we were playing like Cleveland, Ohio, we wouldn't, you know? And, and, and so, um, 
Yeah, we've kind of just had a general set list, but but we also only have right now like twelve or fifteen live songs. Yeah. So we're we're kind of limited at the moment with what we can do. But yeah, I mean, it's like we've done all kinds of things. Like we had uh, on our first Europe tour, uh, we had hand signals for songs. So anybody in the band, like while we're playing, like if someone was like this this next song's got to be the song you know you just throw up like you know like that and then everybody would just go into it and we could keep that way we could keep the set um going like like have a really strong flow just at the end of the song like someone would just get everybody's attention and, and be like you know like that and then everybody would be like okay that's what's next yeah. and um and and but also that would avoid the really annoying thing that happens when someone in the band's like we're playing blah blah you know over the mic or whatever you know like we we did we wanted yeah we wanted to avoid like we wanted it to look rehearsed even though it wasn't so we had hand we started hand signals on that tour and then um the stuff that came after that with like weasel um you know there, there was a lot of shows where we would just you know we would just totally cut we would just gut like half of the set you know like there were some shows where we would have a eight or 10 songs set list. And then it would end up being five when we'd play or something just because we'd be playing and someone in the band would just be like looking at the crowd. It's like, man, these next three songs are not going to fly. Like it's not going to work. It's going to like kill the momentum. And, and so you, you, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. That, that's the fun part about playing live is that you, uh, you know, it, it, it keeps you thinking, on the fly, you know, which applies to everything creatively. Um, like that'll, it, it just keeps you sharp, you know? Yeah. I mean, one thing I've noticed at our past few shows too, is that it's not, not necessarily like the, which songs we're playing, but it's sort of how we transition from song to song becomes a really important, uh, part of sort of the sort of, uh, sort of overall contour of the energy of the set because i mean i mean basically the three choices that end up happening is are we going to go directly into the next song are we going to have a break between the songs or are we just going to improvise sort of between the two and um that really <clears throat> affects the the energy and uh, the crowd response a lot and i mean sometimes you know it's like okay this we need to just keep this going full force and we just go directly into the next song um other times it's like okay maybe someone in the band needs a break or maybe it seems like the audience like d wants to have the experience of cheering or something like that so i mean the sort of how you transition from songs i think is really important for us and that's something that will change a lot just depending on what the you know how we're feeling and what the audience response seems to be you know so i guess with recordings it's just like really i feel like it's a really intimate thing for, for people to like, um, they're, I think they're getting the songs in a more like, like on un, unfiltered way. And in, in that sense, it's like more, um, like it's more like, um, it's more like tapping into people's like brain, like somehow, somehow like reaching people in this, like, direct like speaking kind of way whereas i think like if you're in, in at a show it's kind of it's obviously more visceral and and i think there's kind of like this there can be an energy in the room that has nothing to do with the band um but it's also like your your mood could really come across which is like 
something beside the music or just like the way you're acting in general like um i don't know once you add a visual element it kind of like it uh some of the music kind of it like changes the music a little bit so um i feel like yeah i feel like recordings are like the more like pure way of of trying to speak to people or communicate you know telepathically with with people sometimes i just feel like it's just like putting two inputs into my ears yeah directly into my brain yeah Yeah. i mean when it's working it should be that direct where it's just like it's comes yeah it's just it's kind of it's kind of like the most it's one of the most amazing things you can do (laughs) and um that there's this like extension of your 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 like feelings and your your brain and just like comes out in this like format and everyone can hear it and interpret it like immediately and it's it's really um yeah it's and there's there doesn't need to be like a conversation you know it's just it's just these sounds that you're making thank you for listening to this special weird music series of the talking writing podcast you can find the full weird music album on bandcamp spotify apple music and elsewhere Links to these are in the associated notes. To support Talking Writing, myself, and the podcast, you can now subscribe to the Talking Writing Substack, my own Substack, or the Talking Writing Podcast on any of the supported platforms. In addition to supporting these artistic endeavors, subscribers will also receive bonus material, starting with four bonus episodes of the Weird Music Podcast, and upcoming extra content from the Talking Writing Podcast interviews.